Chapter Twelve of *The King of the Golden City* by Mother Mary Loyola. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The fair. There was the bustle and excitement usual at a fair. Cries of many kinds, music and laughter were heard on every side. Children in holiday dress went from one attraction to another, making themselves giddy and sick on merry-go-rounds, screaming with delight round a cage of travelling monkeys, venturing near a poor bear that was dragged about by a chain, and made to do tricks that did not amuse him in the least. Here were men and women, dark-skinned and gypsy-looking, selling all kinds of jewellery of wonderful brilliance and cheapness. Over there a man was displaying books with fascinating titles and pictures. Delecta went about with a swarm of children, now in one group, now in another, enjoying everything. She was sad, though, as the day wore on, to think she must not stay for the great event of the evening, and somewhat frightened at the possibility of not being able to get away. She had come to know her weakness and was afraid of herself. Many a time that afternoon she turned to the strong friend at her side and begged him to be at hand when the time for the struggle came. Wandering about and coming near to the gay bookstall, she felt herself gently drawn to one side, as though there were unseen danger near. What could it be? There was only the man crying his goods and inviting customers. Suddenly she caught sight of one who was no stranger. Indeed, he had shown himself more than usually meddlesome of late. Creeping about among the books, looking into them here and there, passing over some, pausing over others, was malignous. "'What is he doing there?' she asked the prince guardian. "'Minding his own business. Some of those books belong to him. He helped the men and women who wrote them, and he is putting his mark into them. They will do his work, and he will be nearby when boys and girls take them up to get amusement out of them.' You must have found out by this time that Malignus had many ways of harming the subjects of the king. By one or another of his tricks he managed to hurt even the wary ones at times.' But those were silly who let themselves be caught over and over again in the same traps, for they knew how to recognize him when he came their way. How, you will ask? He was not always visible. Indeed, he preferred darkness to light for working purposes. How could people know he was about? There were certain signs. Something whirls past you on a country road. You know it must be a motor by the noise and fluster with which it comes rushing upon you out of nowhere, by the haste with which sensible people get out of its way, by the cloud of dust it raises, and the horrid smell it leaves behind. Wherever malignus went, the poison atmosphere and a sudden haze which caused confusion and trouble showed he was somewhere near. Wise persons came to note these signs and were on their guard when they appeared. He would come up with a smile and offer bad sweets, sparkling with sugar, to little children. He would sprinkle poisonous powders into books, so that readers were injured for life, or killed outright by using them. Sometimes he laid snares to trip people up. He would fight with children himself, or get their companions to do his work for him. But he was always prowling about to see what harm his soft, whispered words or his cruel blows could do. Often enough, especially when dealing with those who wanted to be the king's faithful soldiers, he would be content with frightening them, making them think that they were breaking the king's laws when they were not. He used to rub his hands with satisfaction if he had made a little child cry. He liked to disappoint a child by promising something he never meant to give, or that would hurt if it was given. You will think it disgraceful that one so strong and clever should not be ashamed to fight with a child. It was disgraceful but cowards are not easily ashamed. And if ever there was a coward, it was malignus. An infant could frighten him away. 
a big dog that has been hurt by a stone thrown at it may be driven away by a little child simply stooping as if to pick up a stone malignus was like that at the mere sound of the king's name on the lips of a babe he would tremble like a leaf but we must get back to the fair delecta saw the prince guardians following their little charges from one scene of attraction to another time after time preventing them from coming to grief in one or other of the many ways a fair provides it was nearly eight o'clock when making her way through a crowd of children who were watching with frantic expressions of delight the antics of some performing monkeys she came upon two of the set bedecked with rings necklaces and other trinkets which daisy had bought them they were peering about as if in search of someone as soon as they caught sight of her they cried to others behind here she is and in a moment she was a prisoner it's no good floss you really must stay it's going to be lovely and so exciting a real shipwreck in the first scene don't press her exclaimed a mocking voice saints never go to shipwrecks it wouldn't be right delecta flushed up i told you i wasn't a saint but i'm not going to stay all the same we don't want you to go to anything but the first scene you've always wanted so much to see the sea well this is just as good a real storm and waves all moving and thunder and lightning and the ship going down and all the people jumping into the water and trying to get to the boats by this time they had got her to the door and the crowd was closing in behind them they noticed she did not struggle as at first and one of them thought she said well only for the first scene then we've got such a lovely place said daisy and oh floss you do look nice she was jammed in between two jailers the place was filling fast filling to suffocation the clock struck eight all eyes were fixed on the screen delecta said the prince guardian you should not be here come with me how can i they are going to begin and i can't get out come with me help me then oh help me there was a stir just behind her a woman had fainted and was being carried out delecta followed how she could never tell but in a few minutes the cool air was blowing on her face the fair was left behind and she was on her way home that night she was surprised to find the light of the peace lamp so bright she had missed the treat on which she had counted so long but she had found a happiness never felt before more satisfying by far than any pleasure the play could have given it will be over now she thought as after a short sleep she woke and began to think how nearly she had been caught in the trap laid for her and how much she owed to the faithful friend who had warned and saved her she could not go to sleep again so she got up and went to the window it was about midnight no stars were out the night was still except for the bursting now and then of a rocket from the gala scene of the fair suddenly there shot up into the sky a red flare then another and another and she fancied she heard cries for a few moments the heavens were lit up in the direction of the fair then the flames sank lower and lower and all was still again her heart beat violently she turned to the prince guardian at her side what is this what does it mean it means delecta that a fire has broken out at the playhouse and that many of those who went there for amusement are now passing through the dark valley on their way to the land whence there is no return next morning the news went abroad that in the midst of the performance the theatre hastily put together had caught fire 
A panic followed, and many of the sightseers in the rush to the one door by which they could get out had perished. Daisy and her companions, with one exception, were among the victims. When Delecta met the king that day, her heart was full of many thoughts. She threw herself at his feet to thank him for her deliverance from the terrible fate that had befallen others, and he said, Learn to trust me always. Believe that my commandments are meant to keep you from harm. Say now what all in the happy land say in transports of joy and thankfulness as they look back upon my dealings with them in the land of exile. He hath done all things well. End of chapter 12